0: Grace to you in peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The portion of scripture for our meditation this morning is recorded for us in Paul's second letter to the congregation in Corinth, chapter 12, beginning with the seventh verse. This is our second lesson, which is printed for you on page 7 in your worship folders. Dear friends in Christ, Wouldn't it be nice if everything in your life was perfect. Wouldn't it be nice if you never had any problems in your life? If everyone treated you with love and respect? If those you love, that none of them would move away or die? Wouldn't it be nice if, if you never had any financial problems? Any, never any issues at work or at home? That your team would always win? That you would always be a perfect picture of health? Wouldn't it be nice that if your life wasn't that way, if your life wasn't exactly as you wanted, then you could just turn to God and everything would be taken care of. Wouldn't it be nice that if you had whatever issue that you were facing, your troubles, your hardships, your difficulties, and you pray to God that it instantly, just like that, would be just as you wanted? We think a life like that would be nice. But of course, that's not how life works, as Paul illustrates in our second lesson for today. Paul, as he talks about, was was going through what he describes as a thorn in the flesh. And we're not quite exactly sure how long Paul was suffering through this thorn. Now, it had been roughly two decades from the time that Paul wrote the second letter to the Corinthians during his third missionary journey, from the time that he was converted back on the road to Damascus. We don't know exactly if he was suffering through this thorn in the flesh for that long, or maybe it was a shorter period of time. But it seems as if it had been quite a long time that this thorn in the flesh was bothering Paul. And we're not exactly sure about the nature of this thorn in the flesh. The fact that it's called a thorn in the flesh has led some to think that this thorn was some sort of sharp physical pain that Paul had to endure. Chronic, not just acute. On the other hand, many people point to the letter to the Galatians. And in the letter to the Galatians, Paul mentions that this uh, mentions a physical ailment that kept him from visiting the Galatians. A few verses later, he says, I know that if you were able, you would pluck out your eyes and give them to me. We also know that Paul did not write down the letters that he was inspired to on his own. He had a scribe to do that for him. And in, at least in Galatians, when he wrote his own name to sign his letters, he did so in big print. So that has led a lot of people to think that maybe Paul's ailment was poor eyesight. Other people have come up with other theories for, for various reasons. But The bottom line is we don't know. Anything that anyone says is just a guess. It's purely conjecture. It's probably left ambiguous on purpose. So that we don't focus so much on Paul, so that we don't focus so much on the thorn or on Paul's disability, but we focus on the reason. Now, Paul referred to this thorn in the flesh as a messenger Satan to torment me. So Satan had given this thorn in the flesh to Paul, to torment Paul so that Paul would suffer, maybe so that Paul would despair in the gospel or despise God. And yet we know that God allowed Paul to have it. I think of the book of Job. You may remember the book of Job. Satan heavily afflicted Job, only Because, and only as far as, God allowed him to suffer. I see the same thing here. Satan sent it to Paul to make him suffer, but God allowed it to happen, and God refused to take it away. Three times. Three separate occasions that Paul prayed to God that God would take it away, But all three times God said no. In verse 7, Paul gives us one of the reasons why he had it in the first place. He said, to keep me from becoming arrogant. Or in different translation, to keep me from becoming conceited. Now, why would Paul become arrogant? Why would Paul become conceited? Well, think of all the blessings. That God had given to Paul and through Paul. He was a believer. Blessing. And he had a conversion. And that wasn't just any old conversion, Jesus himself appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus. And then we learn in the book of Galatians that God taught, Jesus himself taught Paul for years. Paul was well known. He was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles, and he went on missionary journeys. He founded dozens of congregations, and many people could claim that they were believers because of the gospel that Paul preached. You think of all that. Plus, all the special revelations that God gave to Paul. Paul, at the end of his life, would go on to be inspired to write 13 different letters in the old test in the New Testament. He's given special revelations right before our text. He talks about a special revelation that he was given by God where he saw a man who 14 14 years earlier has given this revelation, a man who was taken up into the third heaven. Whatever that means, we don't have time to talk about it today. All these blessings that God had given to Paul, and you can see clearly how all this might have gone to Paul's head. All this certainly would have provided an end of for his simple nature to boast and to brag. Enough reason for his, his old man to come to the conclusion that all these things were given to Paul because of Paul, because of who Paul is, because of how great he was. To boast and brag come arrogant, thinking all those congregations were founded Because of how good I am here in the gospel. How how effective I am in defending the truth. That all these people believe and all these people will be in heaven because of how effective I am in preaching the gospel. And my gospel must be better, much better, than the gospel of all those other apostles. So to keep Paul from becoming arrogant and conceited, the thorn in his flesh. Conceit, arrogance. That's our problem too, isn't it? In everyday life, we are proud, we are arrogant, we are conceited people. Especially so when it comes to the gospel. As a pastor, trust me, it is is a real temptation to try to take credit with the things of the church. And it's easy for members of the congregation to give credit or blame to the pastor depending on how things are going. Now, if someone is brought to faith, it's easy for the simple nature to try to take credit for that and say it's because I do such a good job of evangelism. Or when the church grows, it's because I must be a good preacher. Or if other outward appearances seem to be going well, it's because I'm relatable to the young. Or I am good with the youth. Or it's because I can correlate and with the elderly, aren't good at planning, and so on and so forth, when outward successes seem to be our goal, then it's easy to become proud and arrogant and try to take credit for such things. It's also easy for us to try to take credit for our own salvation. And so many people try to do so. So many people teach that you believe because you made a decision for Christ, that you accepted Christ into your heart. Or maybe God chose you to believe because he looked into the future and saw that you were be such a good person that he chose you. Or that you earned your own salvation, that God enabled you to do good works, and it is by those good works that you have earned your own salvation. And, okay, maybe you realize that you don't do too many good works because of the law, but when you compare you, when you compare your life to your neighbors, you realize, and God's got to realize how much better of a person you are, and certainly God is going to choose you to be saved over your neighbor. It's so easy for us to become proud, to become arrogant, to become conceited. Work righteousness is the natural religion of mankind because that's how proud and arrogant. We are, even when it comes to our own salvation. And what does Jeremiah say to begin our first lesson? Cursed is anyone who trusts in mankind, who seeks his strength from human flesh. And again, Paul is no different from us. So easy for him to become arrogant, so God about thorn in the flesh to say there, and he said no three times. And he gave him the following reasons. My grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in weakness. God's grace was sufficient for Paul. Now what does that mean? In what way was God's grace sufficient for Paul? Well, again, we think of all those blessings that God had given to Paul. That he inspired Paul to write all those letters, that he became an apostle to the Gentiles, that he found in many congregations. All those people believed because of Paul or through Paul. All that was grace upon grace. Grace, first of all, that Paul was a believer. Grace that he had given all these blessings to Paul. <clears throat> Plus, it's Paul. Back when he was known at Saul, he was a persecutor of, of Christians. He had his his hand in the countless numbers of Christians and yet God had given him this special grace. And if God's grace was enough to convert Paul, and if God's grace was enough to give Paul all these blessings, his grace upon grace upon grace, then Paul had all he needed. He didn't need to have a perfect life. He didn't need to have a comfortable mode of living because he had God's grace. That had proven Itself, more than Paul needed. And then more than that, God's power is made perfect in weakness. And that comes to the crux of the matter. What exactly does that mean, that God's power is made perfect in weakness? First of all, it's our weakness. We are weak, powerless. We have no power to believe on our own. We have no power to save ourselves. We certainly don't have power to bring anyone When we suffer, when we go through hard times, we have have difficulties, when there is that thorn in our flesh, we realize our weaknesses. And it is in human frailties, it's in human weaknesses that God provides the ideal opportunity to display his divine power. As much as we all love Pastor Hafner. And as gifted and as talented and as great as he is, he has weaknesses. He has frailties. And so will the next pastor that we have. I always marvel at the fact that anyone sits here and listens to anything I have to say, let alone believes it. I'm proof proof positive that the power of the gospel, the efficacy of the word, does not depend on the person who preaches it, but depends on God who works through it. God's power is made perfect in weakness because we see the power of the gospel at work despite the person who preaches it, in spite of the weaknesses and frailties of simple mankind. So Paul came to that same conclusion that we all must, when I am weak, then I'm strong. And perhaps the most pointed way to illustrate what Paul says here is to look at our salvation. When I'm weak, I'm strong. We're weak, powerless human beings. Born in a sin, born as enemies of God, who hate God, want nothing to do with God, can't obey God's law perfectly as he demands, and each and every one of us deserves nothing but God's wrath and punishment, and because we're sinners, we can't save ourselves. We're weak and powerless to save ourselves. Not Jesus. Jesus, who lived a perfect life that we could not. Jesus, true God and true man, who came down to save us from our sins, and he took his life on the cross. It was on that cross that he took our sins upon himself and suffered the eternal damnation that each and every one of our sins deserve. It was on the cross that he shed his innocent blood that covered over our offenses. It was on the cross that he took his perfect life and gave it to us so that we would be perfect and holy in the eyes of God. It was on the cross that Jesus died. It was three days later that Jesus rose from the dead, crushed Satan's head, and won for us that ultimate victory, so that through faith in him, we will not die, but we have eternal life. We try to realign ourselves to save ourselves. We die. We're weak. But we're powerful in Christ. Because he won that victory for us, and he gives us that ultimate victory. If we could say that about, the, about our salvation, then we can certainly say the same thing about the gospel ministry. Because Paul was weak, since Paul was powerless, he dared not rely on himself, because then he would fail. The more Paul looked at this thorn on his flesh, the more Paul looked at his weaknesses and frailties more he realized he couldn't rely on himself but to rely on the power of god because that's where the power of the gospel comes from not from the person who preaches it but from paul himself so what did paul then do once he came to the conclusion not to rely on himself but to rely on the power of christ and the power of his gospel well paul began to boast and brag not about himself not about his accomplishments, but about his weaknesses, about his infirmities. As he says in verse 10, that is why I delight in weaknesses and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties for the sake of Christ. And Paul pointed out those things. He was able to point out the power of Christ who works through Paul despite his weaknesses and problems and difficulties. So we can point the power of Christ and the grace of our Lord. And that's contrary to the way the world works, isn't it? That is the exact opposite of the principles of the world. To boast and to brag about our weaknesses and shortcomings and our problems and our issues? We live in a world where most people's stories cannot be trusted. When you look at the social media uh, that people portray and people put out there on social media, we would come to the conclusion that everyone's life is nothing but roses and lollipops or trips. Very rarely will people talk about their hardships, their difficulties, their mistakes, their sins. Some people will, of course. Some people will talk about their mistakes because they want to promote some solution that they have come up with that they want you to buy into. Or they'll talk about their weaknesses because they want sympathy. But simply to talk about their hardships and difficulties, their thorns, its not something that people do to downplay themselves. That's exactly what Paul does. And that's what we as Christians do. Because the way the Lord works is not the way the world works. What is bad is actually good. What is considered a thorn of the flesh will God use is to his and to our benefit. So we openly and willingly boast and brag not in our strengths and our weaknesses and our successes, but in our weaknesses and our struggles and our difficulties. So we can downplay ourselves and lift up Christ and promote his power and his grace. Because we look at our lives and we ask ourselves, wouldn't it be nice if our life was absolutely perfect? Wouldn't it be nice that if it wasn't perfect that we can ask God and he would take care of our problems just like that? We would think that would be nice. But it wouldn't be good. Not for us. And not for the gospel ministry. Our weaknesses lead us to despair in God. Despair in ourselves and to trust
1: in God. Our shortcomings
0: lead us to realize how powerless and weak we really are. And to turn to the one who is all powerful. Our thorns make our weaknesses strong in Christ because it is in his power that we are made perfect in our weaknesses. Amen. Please stand.